welcome to Eruption, where we talk about music, music news, music stuff, and anything else that comes up. What up, T? Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Good, good. So I know we've been talking before about how artists make money, right? We've gone through how much they make in digital sales, record sales. Right. And we've come to the conclusion that artists make the most money off of touring. Yep. <clears throat> and we've been pushing going to shows... Because, I mean, mostly because we like to go to shows, too. <laughs> but also so that you can get out um, and ex- have that experience, but also put money in the artist's pocket. Right. Because we're streaming most of our music, and that doesn't give much to the artist. This is their way of not only connecting with you, but you showing your support right, right for your favorite people. Which is, you know, important. Not to mention the fact that you're, you, know, you get that experience that you're not going to get streaming something at home. But... It's really important to be able to financially support the artists that you like in order for them to continue creating the art that you enjoy. Right. But in addition to supporting the artists, you're also supporting... The devil, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about Ticketmaster. If you've ever gone to any show, not even concert, if you've you've gone to a monster truck rally or you know, a sporting event, sports balls, sports balls, all the balls, (laughs) then you've probably run into Ticketmaster at some point in your life. Yeah, more than likely yeah. um Ticketmaster has been around forever um, 19 uh 1976 76 yeah so they're actually formed by a couple of college students uh in Arizona who really wanted to create this company that was like a ticket distributor and sales okay um like a like a ticket store if okay. you will yeah they pretty quickly figured out that the the best way for them to do that as far as business goes is to not really deal with promoters or artists, but venues. Yeah. So they would create contracts with these venues that would host events as being their sole ticket sales outlet. So by that you mean those venues couldn't hold other events that didn't go through that ticket distribution? Not that they couldn't hold other events that didn't go through that tis- ticket distribution, but every event that they held went through that ticket distribution. Okay. Um, and I think that initially um, those venues used that as a, like a selling point for promoters. Like, hey, um, you can come in, set up this event here, and we've already got this taken care of. We've already got distribution. Right. So this is exactly like an artist coming in and getting... Um, a record contract and saying, hey, we already have distribution deals, yep. so you're set up. Like, we're going to pay for the marketing. Exactly. We're going to, re- ha- we have all the tools to record your album Yep. and get it out to the stores. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, you know. I mean, yeah, you, you pay for what you get. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, they quickly spread worldwide. Uh, you know, we're talking um, in the 80s, they moved to the UK. They actually got to Norway pretty quickly Hilarious. in 78, so two years after they founded. Right. Uh, moved to Canada in the 80s. So we're kind of building this worldwide ticket sales Marketplace, yeah. yeah. And this is before the internet. Right. Or the, you know, the public used the internet. Yeah, right? and at that point, they had... Uh, retail outlets. So, like we were talking earlier, I remember when I was a kid in Chicago going to Dominic's because mm-hmm. they had a Ticketmaster outlet mm-hmm. in the Dominic's where you could buy tickets. Yep. So, like, before you could hop online and just get it, you would have to go someplace, but you didn't have to go to the venue necessarily. Right. They did have box offices at the venue, but yeah, you had outlets that you could go to. Right. 
And it also used to be, too, that depending on the agreement that that venue had, you may be able to get around some of Ticketmaster's fees by buying from the venue. And that's the that's the complaint with Ticketmaster. Right. Well, in the beginning when they decided, hey, the money is, is going through the venues, right? Right. The way that they did that was before there was a company called Ticketron. That's right. one that they took over in the 70s and 80s. Um, they would charge venues for their service by adding like a minimal fee for customers, about a dollar per ticket. So they're only getting a little bit off the top. Right. Not And a, and a dollar, not that bad. No. But Ticketmaster was like, no, we're actually going to pay the venues and, and increase those fees. Right. So the fees, a, a typical ticket's fees, you're going to get a service charge. So that's just like you're paying for Ticketmaster. Right. There's going to be a building facility charge. That's actually determined by the venue, which gets a little bit messy when we're talking about Ticketmaster owning the venue, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a processing charge, which is their charge for processing your order. So just like, uh, you know, imagine PayPal started charging you for processing an order. I mean, they do charge percentages of your sale. Right. But yes. But not a... To process uh, it. Yeah. Right. Um, and the delivery charge is my favorite. Yes. Because if you... Typically, if you choose standard delivery as to where they ship it to you. Right. Sometimes there's a fee, sometimes there's not. But the print at home option, they charge you for. Yeah, they charge you which to Which blows use, my mind. Yeah, use your own printer. Yeah. They will also charge you for will call in some cases. Yeah, sometimes. Typically, in my experience, the will call has been free, and that's why I will go through that option. And doing some research in this, the reason why, or at least their validation and reason for charging for the print at home option is for that instant gratification. So you immediately have your ticket. Right. You know, e-tickets, though, you get That's instant gratification. That's where it's at. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm all about the e-ticket. For real. Yeah, I don't like I don't like clutter. I don't like paper. Nope. I don't want the paper. <clears throat> no. I mean, the, the you know, if I had to have paper, I don't want a, a, a printout from the internet of my ticket. I would rather have a mailed ticket because they're cool. But I'm not nostalgic to the point where I have to keep them anymore. Right. Right? Like... I think I'm beyond that. You know, yeah. when we went to a concert last summer, you just doop, pulled it up on your watch, scanned, scanned it, blew it. their mind. Right. Yeah. And I'm it's done. so much, it's such a quicker way to get in. Too. Right. Like, and I'm notorious for leaving tickets at home. <laughs> so having that e-ticket option where if I, even if I forget to put it in my watch or whatever, I can just go to the website and pull it up. Yep. Is, is a lifesaver for me. But recently, or I guess, you know, not super recently, but 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, Ticketmaster merged with a company called Live Nation. Yep. So whereas Ticketmaster was a ticket vendor, Live Nation was a concert and event promoter. They had a pretty unique business model as well. So they, they actually sign artists as a record label. Wow. But they take the role of a promoter. So instead of like funding albums and, you know, marketing for those records. Are they like promoting tours? They're promoting tours. So you've got Ticketmaster that is signing contracts with venues and then Live Nation that's signing contracts with artists. Right. And they merge. Yep. Wow. And they became one big block of fun. 
And Live Nation has a very similar history to Ticketmaster. Yeah. Uh, basically, this guy, Robert Sillerman, in the 90s, was like, hey, um, uh, he's a media executive at the time. He realized that there was a lot of money in live entertainment, so he just started buying up small regional promoters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so between, like, 96 and 2001... He purchased almost 30 local promoters to turn them into this one big company. At that point, he turned over the business and sold it for $4.4 billion to our other favorite company, Clear Channel Clear Communications. Channel. Hmm. So that became the Clear Channel Entertainment Division. In, in I that- didn't even know Live... Like, to me, Live Nation is something new within the past, like, five to ten years. Like... I don't even think, or really five, like I don't even have any recollection of Live Nation before that, but probably only because it's right. when they got with Ticketmaster, and that was like, what, 2010? Yeah, and, and that's because Live Nation wasn't heavily advertised as being their own entity okay. at that time. Like, they didn't have a brand identity. When Clear Channel took over, that was right in the midst of a big backlash against Clear Channel. A lot of the stuff that we talked about on the uh, Paola episode. So at that point, it became a little bit more visible. They realized that having that under the Clear Channel umbrella wasn't good for their business. So they actually spun it off into Live Nation in 2005. Now, Live Nation owns all of the House of Blues. Here, we're in Indianapolis, so here in Indianapolis... There's only a few venues, Only really, a few here. venues. Um, they own pretty much all of them. <laughs> so there's a place here called the Deluxe, which is inside of a building called the Old National Center, or the Marat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a 500-capacity venue. They own that. They own the other theaters within the Marat. Right. They also own Klipsch, which is our large amphitheater. outdoor amphitheater. So we're talking... 25,000 Yeah, 25,000 capacity. 000 capacity. And um, White River State Park, which holds outdoor concerts and stuff during the summer. Right. So pretty much every sized venue, so every level of artist that comes through touring in Indianapolis, at least, is going to be playing at a Live Nation Ticketmaster venue. Wow. Because of that, artists aren't too happy. Right. So this, this has been going back to like early to mid-90s. If anyone was around for that... You know, the no- notorious uh, Pearl Jam versus Ticketmaster. Yep. So they were sick of it, right? It was like, and this was their prime too. So like Seattle Grunge Rock was coming out and it was about 1994. And Pearl Jam was like, dude, you are taking way too much money for service fees for our tickets. Yeah. These kids, this, you know, and, and their music wasn't put out for, you know, the 30, 40, 50 something that have a lot of expendable income. Right. These kids are into this music and they're charging $50, $60 for a concert ticket. And these kids don't have that kind of money. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think one of the things that a lot of people forget about, especially Pearl Jam specifically, like they were a punk rock band. Right. Like grunge wasn't a thing at that time Mm -hmm. till it got labeled that by the media. Exactly. They were an underground punk rock band that happened to get really popular. Yep. So it was, you know, going from playing 
a show where they could charge $10, $15 a ticket. And they were used to, because, you know, a lot of these guys came from other Seattle bands. Right. They kind of came up, like Mother Love Bone and a few yeah. Mud Honey. They kind of came from that underground scene. And yeah, like, they played free shows. They paid 5 10 you know, $15 And those were the shows, shows that they would go and see... And the artists that they love that influenced the music that they were creating. And they wanted to be that for their fans as well. Exactly. So all of a sudden, kids, you know, their fans aren't able to go to their shows. Right. And they're pissed off about that. Because they know what it felt like as kids to try to get to these shows, right? Yeah. And at that time, ticket uh, service charges were obscene. Uh, We're talking like 50% of the total amount that you would pay for the ticket could amount to those service fees. So they wanted to charge no more than $18.50 for tickets. And with service fees, no more of a dollar and eighty cents. Yeah, so we're looking at twenty bucks a ticket. Yep. And they took this to Congress. As they should. Right. Um, they even got up and, and I remember watching them on TV get up and do their little testimony in front of Congress, like their bass player and guitarist going up and saying, you know, hey, it, it was really passionate. It was really cool to see like them speaking out on behalf of their fans. Right. You don't see that very often. Um, and then you saw Ticketmaster as like this giant, big ba- the big bad guy, right? Yeah, the evil corp. Right. That were like, <laughs> listen, we need at least $2 just to cover our own costs. So if you guys want to play for free, we'll print your tickets for free and distribute them. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a terrible offer. Right. And so just to say like, hey, we're not just doing this for publicity they actually went out and hired a law firm and they did an official complaint with the justice department i mean eventually it it didn't do much i mean they did get them a lot of press and i remember trying to get tickets for their shows and they were doing everything not to go through Ticketmaster at yeah, the that's time what I was gonna say. and they tried to was, do tours minus Ticketmaster and it did not it go well didn't. and they were doing lotteries and everyone was upset that they weren't getting to see them and I'm telling you like this was in their prime this was after their second album yeah and people were super pumped about them and it was actually Janet Reno that was like sorry yeah they can do this yeah fuck you guys right they have a monopoly and that's okay right uh they also and you know kind of in their defense playing devil's advocate a little bit mm-hmm. they created the business they did this wasn't a thing before Ticketmaster came along. Right. This wasn't a thing before Live Nation came along. So they they had the power to make this up as they felt or as they wanted to that would be most advantageous to them because it was their... Idea. Yeah, their construct. I get that. I just think you have certain, you know, there's ethics that come along with running a business. Yeah. I mean, there should be. Right. I mean... You know, even when in school for a music business, every semester we had someone come in and talk about ethics every single time. Right. And we were like, why, why do we keep talking about this? Why do we keep talking about this? And I mean, it's kind of all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, that's, that's a big miss in music. It really is. And that's a lot of what we talk about, actually. All right. So Pearl Jam wasn't the only one. No. There have been multiple. Oh, yeah. There have been a lot of people that are bringing this to the forefront. And, and mostly it's been because, you know... The fees, uh, the way they're hiding them, and the way that they are saying, hey, these contractual agreements are very, very binding where 
the artists are not allowed to sell directly to their fans. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You would think one way you could get around this is to just sell your own damn tickets, but right. that's not how that works. No. No, they, they literally will not let you. Yeah, uh, and I think that there was even um, something that we read with their dispute with the string cheese incident where mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, that's illegal. Yep. Go ahead, but that, that's not going to work. Right. Because they have exclusive contracts with the venues. That's why they're not allowed to do that. And the band, the band's reasoning for this is like, hey, this is a breach of the Sherman Antitrust Act, so non-compete. Yep. But again, that that's not going to go anywhere. Right. They've they've deemed they, like I don't I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I know you said this is their idea, but it's, I still don't agree with it. Like, I still don't think that that yeah that's okay. A, I think the the proper legal term for it is a clusterfuck, <laughs> where. Basically, the artist is like, hey, I've created this art. I'm presenting it to these people who are my fans. You wouldn't have tickets to sell if I were If it wasn't for me, yeah. The venue is like, hey, you wouldn't have a place to do this if it weren't for me. Yeah. Ticketmaster is like, hey, you wouldn't have a system in place to allow you to reach all of these people if it weren't for me. Right. And so they all fight. But yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just a big tug of war. But at the end of the day, the way that Ticketmaster has drawn up these contracts, and they've been doing these this since the 70s, so they're pretty fucking good at it, <laughs> uh, limits everything that the artist and the venue can actually do on their own. Right. And I think they're stuck because a lot of other companies have come out, like Ticketfly, uh, Tickets Now. Um, there's been a handful that have come out and tried to battle up against Ticketmaster. Yeah. And there's a couple reasons why they haven't been successful. The main one is Ticketmaster has built up such a fan base when someone thinks of, oh, I'm going to go buy a ticket. Literally, Ticketmaster comes to mind. Yeah. And, you know? it, and it's, such a, it's such a widely used uh, platform. platform that if you start to type ticket into any search, search master... Ticketmaster is going to pop up automatically. Yeah, it's going to autofill Ticketmaster. Right. Not to mention, when a few of these other companies took on larger concerts, uh, such as Lady Gaga or Fish, their systems crashed. Right, they couldn't handle that number of The people. volume, Yeah, because right. it wasn't designed for it. No, it wasn't. Because when you hit 10 a.m., right, on a Friday, when tickets go on sale, and you have a quarter of a million tickets that go up, and so you, say, have six million people vying for those tickets, everything's going to go down. Yeah. Besides going down, servers are crashing, you don't have well and when the capacity we, to do that. Yeah, and when we when we talk about the, the ticketing systems that are used to sell these, there's actually a company, the name of which I can't probably pronounce correctly. I'm gonna say Pachyolan. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. Let's do it. Um, but they were a developer of ticketing system applications and they hosted ticketing systems. Ticketmaster bought them. Nice. Yeah. And that was the only um, in, in 2010, when Ticketmaster and Live Nation became one, that was the only objection that um, the government had as far as antitrust laws. They were like, hey, you guys can own the venue, mm-hmm. you can own the marketing, you can have direct contracts with the artists, you can own every venue in a market, but you can't also control the system that distributes all of those. Wow. So they sold that to another great company. Uh, Comcast. <laughs> <laughs> Great company. Yeah. But 
it's still the system that they design. Right. So they know how to exploit that. Right. To, you know, they can manipulate that any way they need to. Right. And um, Comcast being another, you know, questionable monopoly. Right. Um, knows how to kind of push out companies that they don't want working with them. And I'm sure that it's very advantageous for them to say, you know what, Ticketfly, we're going to charge you X amount to use our ticketing system, but Ticketmaster, since you built this, we're going to give you Y. Yeah, since I'm sure they have still have a good relationship. Right. That would be advantageous to both companies. But because of all of these fees and all of this clusterfuck, there have been quite a few lawsuits against Ticketmaster. Right. Uh, recently, there was actually a successful lawsuit against Ticketmaster. I'm sure we all know about this one because we all got the email and got ridiculous, ridiculously excited. Yes. We all got the email and got ridiculously excited that we we're getting free tickets or discounted tickets. Right. So excited. And, and if you don't know why you got those vouchers, um, in 2003, a couple of guys who bought tickets to go see Wilco and Bruce Springsteen, they were like, hey... So, uh, turns out when I was looking at the price of the ticket, you told me it was X amount of dollars. When I went to pay for the ticket, it went up, like, a lot. Yeah. And that's fucked up. Those, see, those fees are excessive, it's misleading because you're not upfront about it, mm -hmm. and it turned into a class action lawsuit. And we're, this is uh, a 13-year lawsuit. Right, I was gonna say, this went back. Yeah. Beginning of the 2000s, right? Yeah. Um, so they were like, hey, if you bought any ticket, between this 13-year time span. Right. So Ticketmaster agreed to... And this is confusing. So... And I, I think intentionally so. <laughs> um, so try to keep up. Ticketmaster agreed to pay out $42 million in free ticket vouchers and discount codes. Wow. Total, uh, right? For total, okay. right. They gave out... 386 million worth of free tickets and discount codes. This seems excessive, so it sounds like they're planning on us not cashing those in. It's even more clever than that. Huh. So they're split up into a couple of different types of codes. Okay. You can get a ticket voucher, which is good for two free tickets to an event, specific events. But they live, have to be Live Nation Live Nation venues. venues. Okay. General admission tickets. Got it. You've used a couple of those, right? Yeah. yeah. So I used I used a couple of them to go see uh, Halsey and Blink-182 over the summer. Yeah. Cool. Free. Awesome. Awesome. They also included $2.25 discount codes and $5 discount codes. Okay. So here's Ticketmaster's grand scheme. Those $2.25 discount codes and those $5 discount codes, you can stack. Oh, really? Remember, they only have to pay out $42 million. So they've already cut off the free vouchers. They may release more later. What they're hoping is that... They've cut those... off the vouchers or they've cut off the concerts that could accept them? They've cut off the concerts that could accept them. Okay, because I, like, I still have my voucher. Right. I tried to go see a show, but they yeah. were taken up very quickly. Yeah, and the vouchers technically don't expire until 2020, but... Uh -huh. They could just not have um, concerts that accept them, correct? Exactly, because if enough people use those discount codes... They could that say that they fulfilled their, their terms. Million. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we all got ridiculously excited when we got those emails, but it turns out you're probably not going to get to use those vouchers. Awesome. Yeah, mine are still in my email. Yeah, if you if you somehow 
have a reach of the 57 million people that received the discount codes, mm -hmm. we could all get together and agree that we're not going to use mm -hmm. those, you know, shitty $5 discounts. And just each get a free one. And just each try to get free <laughs> tickets, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't think... We, we can't even band together to, like, vote properly. Right. I mean, yeah, you're asking a lot here. Yeah. That's crazy. I, it did sound way too good to be true. Yeah, and it I entirely was. That's nuts. I think the whole ticket buying process is very frustrating in general. Like, I don't know how many times I've attempted to get a ticket the minute it goes on sale and, and failed. Right. And you know? a lot of that has to do with Ticketmaster as well. Right. So artists can't sell tickets directly to fans. Right. Artists can't, you know, allow tickets, you know, like fan clubs to get early vouchers or things, you know, things like that. But if you're a Citibank cardholder... You're good. You're good. Yep. So they actually set aside tickets specifically for that. Yeah, I was reading there was a show in Tennessee with Justin Bieber a few years ago where only 7% of the tickets for his show were available to the public. Right. They didn't have to go through another outlet, such as a fan club or reserved for credit card promotions or even resellers. Yeah. It's only 7%. And I mean, he has a pretty decent, I mean, especially back in 2013, right? He had a pretty decent following. Like he's playing stadium shows. Right. That's a very, very small number, you Super know, of like moms trying to get them for their kids or something, you right. know, like. And that's why, um, especially at these smaller venues that are controlled by Live Nation and Ticketmaster, tickets are going to sell out quick. Yeah. And by sell out, I mean very heavy air quotes. Yeah. Sell out. I've been to shows at Live Nation venues that were sold out. But weren't at capacity. We're not full at all. Right. Well, I mean, we went to see years and years and I snoozed. Yep. And lose. Snooze to lose. Because those tickets were like $16 or $18. It was, it was less than $20 for these tickets. Yeah, at a very small venue in Chicago. Right. So it was about, it was 900 Yep. In uh, Lincoln Park. And you got your ticket and I needed to wait until the following week because I thought someone was going to be able to get them for free. Yeah. Right? So was it was like, worth a shot. I'll wait. It was worth a shot. It was. But in the end, I ended up paying $60 on StubHub for these tickets. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was packed, but um, I don't think that place was to capacity. And um, from what I've learned, StubHub and other resellers, they'll hire kids and other people in the area that are kind of on the, you know, in the know with music and what's most popular. Yep, and what's going to be popular. Right, exactly. And hire them to purchase up all the tickets. Yeah. And then they get a cut of it, and obviously StubHub gets the biggest cut. Right. And I think I think StubHub is for another conversation. True. Because that's a fucking mess in and of itself. Right. When we look at the breakdown of a con the cost of a concert ticket, even with all of this bullshit that comes from Live Nation and Ticketmaster, the artist still gets the majority of that money. That's true. So let's say face value of a ticket is about 55 bucks. Probably right. a little bit higher end artists, right? Yep. Um, but you're looking at fees of, you know, tack on service fees, show costs, taxes, total ticket price, 70 bucks. Yep. 
but the artist is making 75% of that. Right. We cannot say that for album sales. No, not at all. I mean, we're thinking, you're looking at 10% or less. Right. For album sales, which is insane. And, that, and that's physical copies, right? Not even necessarily digital distribution and streaming. Streaming and yeah. Yeah, We've streaming, there's like, down. right, there's like little to no overhead on that. Right. But yeah, 75%. So in the end, with, you know, Ticketmaster and, and their contracts, Live Nation venues and such, the artist is still getting the majority of the cut. Which is good. That's what we want at the end. Right. Of the and that's why we're still preaching to go to these shows. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about it. Like there's we were not. saying, especially in our market, the only venues that we have to go to that aren't Live Nation Ticketmaster venues are very, very small venues. Very, very small venues. And a lot of them are bars. So any artist that wants to be able to play that all-ages show and pull you know, the full demographic of their audience right. isn't going to be playing in those venues. Right. 21 and up with like capacity of maybe a couple hundred. Right. And while those are the ideal um, concerts that I like to go to, I Same. love that intimate setting. Right. It's and just I love not. No children. You love what? No children. Oh, I was like, whoa. <laughs> 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 I love the children. I was like, whoa. <laughs> While that situation is ideal, it's not realistic once a band that you like has a bigger following. Exactly. If they're not a local, then you're not going to catch them in those smaller venues. Yeah. So basically, you're getting fucked over by Ticketmaster. There's nothing you can do about it, but you can still feel good about buying that ticket to that show because it does put quite a bit of money in that artist's pocket. Agreed. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you want more, who wouldn't, right? Check us out on all of the social medias. That's right. You can find us on Twitter at Eruption, on Facebook 